You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. On today's episode, we're going to recap the coaches on the couch that we recorded on the last 25th of August. In that episode, we discussed hydration, nutrition, what are the biggest concerns that we as coaches have and what usually the athletes have. I hope you guys enjoy Philip, Alan, John and myself talking a little bit about this subject. Have fun. Um, and I thought I'd kick things off uh, to begin with, just, just starting really basic, I guess. Why is nutrition really important for athletes and why is it something which we need to consider as coaches? Feel free to dive in at once. I'll go first. You are what you eat. Um, really common, simple expression. Um, but yeah, it's, it's real, real simple. Obviously, what we what goes into us is going to have a really big effect on how we feel. Um, I think it starts off at just understanding about how much fuel you need and how much fluid you need, and then also like in terms of you know the, that's that's kind of one side of things. But then it's also really important to remember that food isn't just fuel, it's also nutrition that helps to look after us. Diego, John, do you want to add anything else on to that? Yeah, I think that the first sentence um, that Alan said resumes everything. Um, we are what we eat. And as athletes, we need to be thinking about what we put in our bodies um, to be able to keep moving. Um, not only the food, but also the what you drink also plays a huge role. Um, so yeah, what you what Alan said at the beginning is totally right. So I think it plays a huge, huge role in what um, in how we want to perform. Uh, we have to be thinking about what we want to um, to put in the body for sure. John, anything to add to that? No, just a, a similar analogy to the you are what you eat. If you think about a car, you wouldn't go put in. The wrong fuel in your car you've got to make sure you're filling up with the right stuff otherwise it's, it's going to let you down or not work properly so that's quite a nice analogy i thought yeah i think i mean from from my perspective i can't really add to that very <laughs> and summarize it really well with you are what you eat um but I, I think i guess part of the importance is when you you consider how athletes are really busy and so if they can get their nutrition right, they're going to be able to ensure they're able to keep juggling all the balls. Um, the minute nutrition isn't there, they're not going to have the fuel to do their training. Obviously, that's a problem, but these are age groupers we're talking about. And so other areas of life will also get in the way or be um, slightly detrimentally um, affected. So it's not just about sport for me as a, as a coach of age groupers. It's also about being able to do everything else which goes with it. Um, and I think quite often athletes forget about that because they think they're a little bit superhuman when it comes to food. Alan, you like about to dive in with a question there, or something? No, I was just going to elaborate. Uh, really, like sort of to talk about things that we, I guess, we commonly see as coaches. Um, I guess the, there's a difference like in terms of it obviously there's the fueling side of things the nutrition side of things and like you what you were going into there philip was a practical almost practical side of things you need to be 
it's another thing that you need to be organized and planned about because you know if you the classic example really is the you know those evening sessions after a long day at work uh, lunchtime can often be many hours before you you eventually get home from the commute and then you come to go and do the evening session and it's just like time timekeeping and planning with regards to nutrition is really important in order to well to be honest like to enable you to do the session um or do the session well i guess you could get around it but it's about trying to squeeze out every second that you've got to train because you don't have all day yeah yeah definitely to do it well but i, I actually even take it further to say to even do the session because uh, a lot of time with athletes you know they'll you know go to do a uh, go to do a session and be like oh you know i don't feel i feel tired or you know i can't you know especially if it's a hard session sometimes the the hunger going into you know hunger combined with hanger going into a session combined with do you know what this session's blooming hard actually that can be enough straw to break to break that camel's back and go do you know what i ain't gonna do it um so well, that's yeah. where, well, that's where you finish the session and just go straight for the chocolate bar or just raid the, the naughty section of the cupboard rather than if you've got a set meal planned out, ready to go, eat it straight as soon as you can get off the session, off the bar, you can have a much healthier, healthier meal at the end of your session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that also, that's, that's a classic, like, um, long, long ride plan. Yeah. I, know what I, I know what I'll do. I'll eat nothing for my four or five hour ride. And then... Uh, I think Bonk. I think I I think I called it once on a camp presentation. Fridge raiders of the lost no <laughs> lost fridge raiders no. Does anyway? There's some raiders of the lost ark joke there, but I got mixed up, so I'll move on. <laughs> but yeah, like that, that's that that's a re- that's another example. I guess like I don't know. Can Philip Diogo? Can you think of other examples? I was thinking of exactly the other way around, where people don't plan their nutrition through the day so they end up really hungry and say well i'm about to do a session so i need to fuel myself and then eat loads before they go out and do their session and then find themselves in exactly the opposite position uh, and i know with a few of my athletes one of them's a um uh, they work as a spin instructor amongst other things and you know they're, they're trying to work out how to manage their time around their job which is active but then their training session which is actually the key workout so with them, what we were trying to do is get them to, to train, um, I guess, you know, very easy stuff. So it's almost the junk miles, but the base miles, if you're looking at, at it another way in, in the sessions where they're taking it. So they can actually coach um, and then put their session in afterwards. But trying to get that right from their nutrition is a really, really hard thing to do because they have to try and get it right to allow themselves to have eaten properly to then be able to, to perform in their evening training session, which they're doing. So, you know, actually it can go the other way as well. So I guess that just highlights that you you can definitely get it wrong, and there are a lot of mistakes that can be made out there. Yeah, I mean, we get, I guess we've highlighted two common mistakes, and those are probably more day to day planning. But I mean, what other mistakes do we see with with athletes um, around nutrition? Just which is we just listen through. We can try and maybe address them afterwards. I was going to stay on the the practicality side of things. Like, I'm really bad for this. I'll just do a do a Tesco shop online and just get loads of ingredients and then get to an end of a hard session. It's like, all right, what am I going to cook now? Whereas 
my wife's a lot better at this, planning out the whole week, order everything in that we need. I'm like, right, we're having that this night, that night, this night. And if you know what you're going to have ahead of schedule and have it all prepped and ready. Then as long as you know, otherwise you could get into trouble for having the wrong ingredients at the wrong time. <laughs> but if you think about it, it's going to be the same as um, planning the training schedule. If you yeah. want to have everything planned, you have to do it um, for yourself also. Um, what's the point of just doing something at last minute and then just do a huge mistake? Um, because we don't train that way. And the athletes don't train that way. They like to have everything planned. So I would say that planning their nutrition, planning the, what they're going to eat and when they're going to eat it, um, it's quite important for them. So, yeah. Okay, so that, that everything that we've covered there is almost from a, a getting enough energy in the tank or getting too much energy in the tank point of view. What about, what about the nutrition side of things? Are you talking about fueling? Yeah, so fuel, we're, that's what I'm saying. We're, most of what we discussed there from, in, you know, from, in my thinking is that we're talking about fueling. So have you eaten enough or have you eaten too much to do a session? But, I, think, I, think, I think the biggest thing that goes wrong is people get everything that we just talked about right. They, get, they fuel up for the session. They plan their meals correctly. They've had enough food in the day, but then they go on a four-hour bike ride, like you're saying, and have one gel or whatever. So they're not planning nutrition on the long rides to actually fuel the workouts. Again, go back to the car analogy, it's like filling your car up with fuel on the driveway, but then when you drive it, you never put any petrol in it. You're just gonna run out of fuel in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, I think people underfuel their workouts quite a lot because they think, oh, why well, am I gonna shove my, a load of carbs down my throat on the bike and I'm trying to lose weight or something I like think, that. I think that's um, one of the biggest mistakes people make, for example, in those long rides, is that they're, on, they're just gonna eat something when they're hungry. Yeah. And as we know, that's already too late. Um, so they don't think about um, in one hour time or two hours time. They're just going to do it by the moment sometimes. And that's, that's going to be quite bad. It's going to play um, a quite bad workout for them because if, when you're hungry, come on, there's nothing you can, it can save you now. Just dig deep. Um, so yeah. I, I think, um that point on that underfueling through the ride is really important because when you when you're looking most most people who who are triathlon um or doing triathlons are probably going to be doing more than one session in a day and we talked about evening sessions but quite often especially around work schedule they'll be looking at one in the morning and one in the evening or one in the afternoon um it's rare that we get a fortune to be able to plan it a little bit more around meal times within between them um and so when you get the nutrition wrong in a training session in the morning you're then trying to play catch up, as you said, Diego, all the way through, but not just in nutrition, but also hydration. So if you've um, gone and done a, I don't know, a turbo session in the morning, and I know we run the turbos in the morning as well, you know, you've gone there, you, you sweated a lot, you're probably slightly dehydrated, having not really taken on board anything overnight, uh, unless you're a, a rager of the nighttime fridges, <laughs> uh, Alan. Um, but you know, if you, if you're, if you're dehydrated going into it slightly, you're kind of not necessarily taking on board as much and you're sweating a lot more with some of these indoor stuff that people are doing, especially post lockdown or through lockdown, you're going to end up in a situation where you're trying to play catch up for the rest of the day. And that's when injuries start happening when you don't have the fuel in place. I mean, aside from the deficiency of energy, uh, which can lead to uh, lack, you know, lack of bone strength uh, and everything else. I mean, you're talking about the fact you are more fatigued. You're asking your body maybe to hit set pace numbers or be in the pool or something. You're going to pick up an injury. Um, so you need to plan it and get it right all the way through the training session. But think about everything, not just nutrition, but also hydration. 
It's funny that you say that because I was just having a conversation with one of my athletes, one of the, the Portuguese guys. And um, yesterday he did um, a long-ish bike ride. It was quite hot in Portugal. And he didn't hydrate himself properly after the ride. And today he was doing a gym session. He just got himself, himself injured. And I think that the dehydration played a huge role on that. Um, he got a... Um, you say it in English, the, um, I'm missing the word now. Tight muscles? Contracture, a contracture, a huge one. And um, as we know, sometimes contractions um, happen because you are too dehydrated. So I think if you don't do that, if you don't plan it properly, if you don't think about the next day, you're going to get injured, as you said, Philip. So, yeah. You mean I a cramp, Diego? Cramp, like yeah. a cramp, yeah, but a big one, a huge one. Like I cannot walk now, even walk. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think all my injuries ever have always come from doing a long twelve-hour shift at work. I know it's quite rare that I do that, but a twelve-hour shift at work and then going straight out to train. So I've started really early in the morning, so I've still got time in the evening, and then been dehydrated, not eating properly, and then that's when something normally happens. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of examples where we, we generally all of what we're talking about here can be avoided through good planning and it's surprising how much comes back to time management and having a really good diary mm. they're literally blocking out stuff and thinking ahead you know like <laughs> one of the best tips i could give any athlete um age group athlete out there is to sit down on a Sunday night and plan out what you're going to do during the week you know or it could be a Saturday night it could be a Sunday morning you know just at some point during what is your weekend because you know that might be different for different people and just to think about the next seven days in quite a month you know quite fine detail and probably think maybe a little bit about the next two weeks and like you were saying, John, about the Tesco shop, you know, have some sort of routine as to when you're going to do that so that it fits in with how you're sort of planning out your training. And just by engaging in that process, you're probably likely to make some improvements. You'd have to, you'd have to real struggle to not notice that there was, you know, uh, some poor food, some poor food choices in there. Um, for example, or to notice that it was entirely lacking in any of the sort of macronutrients, let alone micronutrients. But also when you're looking at that planning, I mean, people, athletes are great at sort of saying, oh, I can get a, you know, I can get this training session in here. I've got time to do this. But they're, they're neglecting that the training session comes with a couple of things either side of it, the preparation in terms of nutrition and their warm up but also the bit straight afters as well. So when they're saying, oh, I can squeeze in this training session at lunch, well, when's lunch happening? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, that's, that's really cool. But, um, you know, how are you managing to get the fuel inside of you to do it? And, and that planning, Diego, you said that earlier, it comes at the very beginning when you're saying, what does my training plan look like? And what's my nutrition strategy alongside it? And we're talking here, obviously, about day-to-day -day diet. And we've not really touched upon the the stuff in terms of how to improve performance through fueling because day-to-day -day diet is so much more important if you get that right anything you're talking about nutritionally is going to is going to in terms of fueling and stuff for an event um will be kind of considerably better as well um i guess i guess one of the other things i'd say is like bulk cooking can go a long way i just need to say that again <laughs> I, I i've got this terrible habit if it's in front of me i'll kind of 
eat it. <laughs> but yeah, bulk eating is uh, not <laughs> such a good strategy, perhaps, Philip. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was five meals. You just ate eight there, Philip. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a lasagna, I will see it away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fajitas for two for one. Um, the uh, yeah, I just think like trying to be organised. Like I say, the bulk cooking is a good way to do things, and that what you said there, Philip, in terms of the lunch. Um, the lunch uh, example is really, really common. And just trying to, from a coach's point of view, trying to share that conversation and planning of time is, is it can be really, really helpful for some athletes to make a, make a really sig significant difference. You know, and once it's done, it, it doesn't necessarily need v revisiting too often once the habit has changed. Oh, definitely. It's a habit which you can go on with. I mean, I, I live with someone who we all know, um, is, is very good at planning her nutrition around but you know em, emma will make sure that you know we're talking about doing something so well, when are we having breakfast or when are we having the kind of the bit afterwards because she's taken such interest in her nutrition and her diary and, and it's just like okay well that's fine we'll do that but when are we going to eat afterwards you know you haven't eaten yet and it's kind of aware of that and obviously female athletes they're kind of golden window or uh, opportunity to take on board uh, protein and, and the recovery side of things is reduced compared to male athletes um, but it's, it still means it's important for both both genders both sexes yeah i think i think for, from from my experience the conversation generally you know the the basic point starts around going going into the organization of pre during and post um I don't know if there's any other comments, tips, or advice that would be useful in those areas. I was going to say, just think about when when I go to work. It's it's quite a difficult environment to get good quality food into, and you see ninety percent of the people I work with just every day they'll have an M&S sandwich and an M&S pasta, or whatever. But all it takes is a little bit of organisation, like you say, sitting down at the start of the week, thinking about it, and just I bulk cook all my lunches, all my overnight oats are ready to go just pour milk in the night before i've got loads of meals in the freezer and i know exactly what's gone into all of those and i never have to buy anything on my way to work it's just takes a bit of planning takes a bit of time but you know exactly what's going in rather than could be anything in those sandwiches that you don't really want to be putting in your body depending if you're looking for the marginal gains of performance yeah, but if once again if you plan your time for do to do the workouts you can also plan the, the meals that you're going to have and when you're going to have it and I think the cool thing is it takes less time. You know, if you're doing that, John, it'll take you less time to bulk cook and then pick it out of the freezer or whatever you're going to do than it will to go in in a flat thinking, I'm really hungry, I need to go and have a sandwich or something and, and you know, trying to find something there and then that you like. Yeah. Uh, and usually it's cheaper as well, which is a, another bonus. Yeah, so much cheaper. For a new set of wheels. <laughs> I think it's also worth avoiding the presumption here that everybody knows what the other part of your work is, John. So it's probably worth maybe, I think... <laughs> flagging that up or at least giving me yeah, yeah. so yeah i work in the confines of a cockpit in a in an airline so it's not easy to you know just pop your lunch in the microwave you have to think about it quite quite hard about before you before you get to work yeah i think and i think like i don't you know i don't necessarily bring that up to be like nosy or, any, or anything like that but i think that is I, I bring it up to say that is genuinely really challenging yeah, you, you 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 definitely cannot pop round the corner to buy something. No, absolutely impossible. Um, so if it's possible for you in that environment, then it's possible for everybody. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you want to be really, really lazy, you can just resort to the, the ham and cheese tasties that, that get sold on board and then you probably won't live for <laughs> many years. <laughs> Not mentioning the airline you work for then, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful tasties. Um, so I, I guess where then should the age group triathlete or age endurance athlete let's keep it quite broad because I know a lot of people are doing a lot of different sports but where, where should that um, endurance athlete uh, non-professional where should they be focusing their attention in terms of nutrition we, I think we've kind of killed uh, planning and, and bringing that in so we definitely mentioned planning and if, you, if you're not planning where your food's coming in at set points then that's definitely a huge takeaway um, but what other kind of areas would would we sort of say that actually this is this is an easy win or a, a good win to make as an age group athlete? So wouldn't worry about wouldn't worry about what other people are doing. It's like it's whatever works for you. If you found a diet that suits you and reacts well with you and you perform well on it, it works. Don't worry about what other people are doing. I think that's a good tip. Nice. That's a good takeaway. I think the one which jumps out at me um, a lot is recognizing that um, triathlon, and I know Helen has mentioned this on nutritionists quite a few times, because of the nature of triathlon and to a certain degree quite a few other endurance athletes, you, you tend to be quite aware of body image. Now, I don't want to go down that route too much because that's almost a whole different conversation, but because of the fact that you have that awareness of body image, quite a lot of people do try and stay more lean um, throughout longer parts of the year or, or think that's what they need to look like in order to do their sport uh, and recognizing that that kind of weight versus performance conversation isn't always um, what people would expect the answer to be um, so so to train with the with the nutrition the fuel that you're doing think about what you're having to fuel the performance that you're trying to get rather than looking at the image that you're trying to get at the other end and i think suddenly then nutrition and how you look at it becomes a very different um i guess different way of completely different way of looking at it because you're like well <laughs> i'm doing this exercise planning comes into it i'm doing this this is what i need to do this is how i need to perform at it this is what i'm going to have and 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 that makes a big difference i'd also say that i think people people as they get more into it need to pay a little bit more attention to their nutrition not because they become one of those boring people who tells you how many calories is in the menu which you're looking at, which is kind of depressing, but more from a perspective that you're starting to have a kind of an individual awareness of what you need and what you should be taking on board as well, because there's a lot of information out there. Um, a lot of it's marketing orientated and possibly touching on a topic, which is a, as a big topic to um, unleash, but there's a lot of good marketing information out there. And I say good marketing, not good information. And you need to know what works for you and try and keep things as, as simple as possible. I think, Alan, you mentioned it was, um, you know, whatever you're thinking about nutrition, make it be something which is very, very close to the source. The closer the thing is to the source, the better quality it's likely to be. Um, so you're not kind of going down process, reprocess and everything else. You, you're kind of keeping it nice and simple. Um, and then the other side of it is just, if you can do that, and you can do some good cooking then you'll, you'll find cooking not complicated stuff just being able to put things you know into an oven or um trying to microwave it too much you, you'll find that most of the stuff you have has got all the things that you need um and then it's just making sure you've got what you need to fuel yourself yeah like uh yeah i think like i feel i definitely have brought that up in the past about considering the quality of what you eat like don't to start with you know building my well, what john was saying if it's working for you 
then you know look at look at what you're eating and think about the quality and and look at it more generally in terms of the you know the organization that we've gone through but then i think you know you always have to start from a baseline of being healthy so that's like the weight's a dangerous word and body composition is a, a generally a uh um you know a better way to put things because it just starts starts from a, a better point of understanding in terms of what what actually is the thing in terms of coaching that we're looking at like there's different compositions like when we look at different athletes in different sports they're made up in different ways of different muscle sizes different muscle fiber types um different different physical you know phys physical sizes of those muscles and and what those muscles and what those levers and uh, what the biomechanics and engine of those those athletes are suited to and obviously you know triathlon is no different to that there is a certain composition of a body that that you know works well for the different distances and I, I think that's a really important concept in terms of you start from health and a really general understanding of your nutrition and then depending on what discipline you're sorry what distance you're focusing on and how far progressed you are in the sport which is where you're going Philip then I think you you then need to start to hone in and and make your approach with your nutrition more and more specific it's it's no it's no different to to going from starting on a road bike and building up to clip on aero bars to going for a tri bike with a relaxed position to going for a tri bike with a, a more and more aerodynamic and a more and more fancy sort of setup is it's there's the same sort of progression available within your nutrition and and that's about optimizing your your engine if you like for what you're trying to prepare for and um, and obviously different athletes go into that in you know with different sort of baseline engines if you like i think it's a really good analogy that because what i was going to say one area where um, i think age group could age groupers could definitely not focus on or try and be aware when they are focusing on it is when they're as using your metaphor of the, the different bicycles and bicycle positions they're sat there worrying about whether or not the tape should be done clockwise or anti-clockwise for better aerodynamics and if they need to think about maybe shaving the legs but in a dimple format so they can improve the aerodynamics of the airflow over their legs and about that detail on the bike but they or in the equivalent on the nutrition but they haven't even thought about getting the right level of macros in so energy balance isn't even right to begin with or perhaps they're you know they're missing a huge part of their uh, you know, carbohydrates, proteins, and um, and fats being macros. You know they're just not quite hitting set targets. Um, and so, so yeah, I think for an age grouper, make sure you get those basics right because when you get the basics right, everything else falls out of it. And all too often, they're worried about the latest fad. They're worried about the next best supplement. Um, they're focusing mm. on the wrong area, and they're saying, "Oh, my nutrition doesn't work when I'm running racing." It's well, you haven't got anything in there. You, know, you haven't got the minerals in there to be able to start creating the um the energy or help with creating the energy when you put fuel in there so you need to get, look at you know colorful vegetables and, and start focusing at that point before you even worry about why your gel wasn't working giving you you know distressed stomach later on um so i think there's a there's a, that i love that analogy of the bike because it tees it really nicely and stop worrying about 
progresses as you suppose they didn't get it right either and they're still kind of tweaking and trying to make a few gains and stuff but they can that's the key thing yeah i'd 100 percent agree with that like you can definitely um mix up a mix up the priorities with thing i think you know, going back to um the nutrition and what what to focus on in the short term is is the you know your three meals a day or four meals a day and the timing um and just looking at what's on your plate in terms of how how it's split up um energy you know like maybe let's go into what are the important things with the macros so fat carbohydrate protein well, the good one is I'll take fats because fats generally sort themselves out. Um, yeah. <laughs> is the general the general kind of feeling? The other two proteins and carbohydrates are significantly more adaptable, should we say? So you can adjust them as you need them, uh, and probably where most athletes spend more of their focus on. There's two other ones, and Alan asked the question, so Diogo and John can dive in with one of those. <laughs> yeah, people talk about. It like getting exact 60%, 30%, 20% of each macro. But I think it goes back to my original point. It's just whatever works for you. If you're happy sitting at 60% carbs or you want to go slightly lower carbs, it's just you need to do trial and error, see what works best. Try try a diet of high carb and then low carb and see how your training goes, how your racing goes. Just play about with some things. I don't think it's a set rule for, for everyone. Everyone's different. It's interesting that we are talking about carbs and fats and proteins, but we know some cases of athletes who don't even eat carbs at all, for example, and um, they still perform. So I'll, I'll say that, as we said before, knowing what you need to perform is the most important. Um, for example, I may have an intake of carbs higher than, for example, Alan or John or Philip, uh, the same for fat or for protein, but the base is to understand what your body needs um, and then work on the percentages and try to understand which works better for you. So, yeah. The only additional thing I say is that um, depending where an athlete comes from, protein can sometimes be something which is neglected or overly focused upon. Um, you know, your classic thing would be a rugby player comes into doing triathlons and they're kind of really aware of how much protein they need because of that strength program that they've been in before and actually um they probably need less than what they think that they need but on the flip side uh, actually again looking at the stuff which we had when we had the tri-station show one of the big big takeaways there for me which i remember reading ages ago um, when i was first starting out with the sport but actually it reiterated it was that the the amount of protein that you take through the day has to be consistent um, it can't just be a big you know your classic i'm gonna have a big bite to eat at the end of the day and then you know you're steak and chips for example um or, or anything like that where all your protein comes in that point then you need to make sure you have it throughout the day especially for people who are doing multiple sessions in a day you know you, you need to recover from it so therefore you think about your protein um intake through the day so that's i think um a, an interesting observation which Asuka um, mentioned in, in the tri-station show which was definitely a big takeaway for myself yeah the classic example of that being missed is breakfast and the second one is really long training sessions. So I think it's something uh, generally 
three, four servings of protein a day and drip in because you can only process it and break it down so quickly, which makes complete sense. If you think about if you had to have a large lump of steak, everybody knows that it's slower to break down. So like if we think about like in terms of the energy release from the different macronutrients, we, we, they do different things. So fat has got the highest yield in terms of energy and is moderate in sort of terms of breakdown. Carbohydrates got a, a moderate yield, but is really quick. Protein's got a low yield and is really slow. So based on those, you know, the energy that they're supplying to your body, then based of the three, that kind of makes them suitable to different things. But it makes sense in protein being low yield and real slow. If you eat a lump of steak, it's going to take ages to break down. But then going back to what you're saying about protein and little and often it that makes sense and i think all too often like ideas and fads and trends and the, the latest and greatest best way of doing things all too often gets far too far away from the the basic understanding of phys physiology and the, the, the simplicity of it um but that's not to say that there aren't differences in individuals out there like i said there's different people come into triathlon and into training in a different state but everybody's different uh, for me that goes all the way back to your taste buds we don't all like the taste of the same thing and even that that's such a wonderfully simple thing like um god what's something that's particularly um sprouts sprouts there you go thanks john so john loves sprouts clearly because it sprang into mind straight away i actually quite like sprouts so right. how do you feel about sprouts don't mind them not my favorite they cook with bacon they're quite nice yeah yeah diego how do you feel about sprouts not really there we go diego's the odd one out i think i'm pretty sure philip would eat sprouts so yeah but yeah anyway so lots of lots of foods can be you know um divisive even by their flavors um and it's the same within our bodies um, within us within a certain bandwidth if you like um, and there's some there's always outliers to these things and i think this is when you're interpreting information that's out there and reading up on things they'll all whenever you and i'm always aware of this whenever you're reading scientific journals or anything or anybody's reference something looking at where that's referenced i know this one guy who well that's one guy what what works for the gem you know general population is one thing but then another thing is what works for athletes so when you're trying to read up about something you need to look at advice from what you're what you what you're trying to do like you're saying there philip rugby's one thing triathlon's another yeah, a long distance triathlon would be another thing again if you go I mean, sprint yeah. you might be actually get away with it um i think the other thing to think about with that as well is if, if you suddenly found the one one diet one one plan to rule them all and that's the single way that you're going to improve your performance it probably isn't um it's probably a combination of many other things as well so if if you sort of sit there and you're like you know something if i follow this diet now and i need to make these big changes especially for age groupers you know maybe at the top end um, when you're looking at the people who are kind of almost age group elite, then there might be some significant changes that can be made. But for the general population of triathletes and endurance athletes, um, one diet won't make the big difference to your time. It will be a whole host of other things and probably timing, training, and, and getting some of the basics again. 
uh, will be will be the bit which you need to focus on uh, more than anything else. Um, I guess one question which I've always wondered, especially for people who are doing a lot more training, is can endurance athletes eat too much? And I say this because I, I still remember, I mean, at, well, you've all been on training camps with me, so you, you know that I eat a lot and I enjoy, <laughs> enjoy eating. Um, but I remember when I was, um, we started out working with Helen, she gave us, um, well, she, she said, oh, so you can understand how I work. Um, if you feed, keep a food diary, I'll keep a look at what you're doing. And, um, and then we'll have a look and see and have a conversation around your nutrition. And it was really shocking because at the end of the day, well, in the week, sorry, I looked over it with her and she said, well, look, you're actually not eating enough. Um, you, you're eating classic triathlete. And I think, oh, you know, I have green stuff. I want to have colorful stuff. You know, I was, I was very healthy in my mind in terms of what I was actually eating. Um, although too healthy because I was having large doses of say salad and stuff like that. And they're like, well, actually this is going to mean your toxic levels of zinc, which is fine because your toxic levels of vitamin B and that inhibits the, um, that's inhibited by the uptake of that is inhibited by zinc or the other way around or something like that. Um, so the kind of the thing was that you need to eat more and the only way you can really eat more because you're eating generally easily the amount of proteins and stuff that you're getting through the, through the day is fine. It's just by uptaking that, um, that either fats or the carbohydrates but I always kind of maybe sat there thinking, well, I know I eat a lot. I don't, I never, never really had that mindset of, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think about what I'm eating because I'm trying to perform or reduce that to kind of hit a racing weight. Um, I've never, never really thought about that as being an area which I can try and make big improvements on when I was training. And, um, and I was sat there and I was looking at it and I was training, a, I guess, an average ish week and I wasn't eating enough. And I genuinely had people sat there going, well, oh, Phil's going around for thirds again. Um, I mean, get, yeah, yeah. it's a good starting starting conversation there uh, obviously now it's a different conversation but you know back back in the day uh, a few years ago it was it was actually really surprising to me that you know, i wasn't even eating enough and i think quite often uh, some people need to think about are they eating enough rather than kind of worrying about the little details again yeah i was going to say the only times i've ever tried to use my fitness power just to get an idea of how many calories i'm consuming it so i know it's a bit tedious and takes a lot of time but whenever i've used it for a few days it's always way under what i actually burn in the day if i had a training session or whatever but following on from that i was just going to say so if you had if you had two athletes one athlete who was somehow like if they were eating an enormous amount was over eating every single day an athlete b who was under fueling every single day i think well i'd ask you guys but i think athlete a is the one that's going to be able to hit all their training numbers they're going to train really well because they've got enough nutrition they'll get to the race line, maybe slightly overweight, maybe slightly lower, what's per kilo, but probably higher FTP. Whereas athlete B is not going to have eaten enough, maybe skipped quite a lot of training, maybe got injured if they're really under eating. So I think in the grand scheme... I think, I think, I think it massively through. depends. Because I think like Philip's example needs clarifying as well, because I, I know that you weren't, like Philip in that instance, I know you weren't doing small amounts of training. No, but it was it was a large amount of training for sure. Yeah, definitely. But it wasn't it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. I guess would be the for, for me as a, as a person, it was out of the ordinary. Maybe in the grand scheme of yeah, yeah. I things. think that for people for people who are listening, then it's not. It might not be unusual for you, but for somebody who's doing you know somewhere between four and eight hours of training a week, it is it's definitely a significant difference. And 
like the same with John John's example there, athlete there. I think, I think it's really it's really um, easy for people to take general assumptions from from some things and take take them away and go to the nth degree. I think it's really important that athletes try and get really specific advice for them. Like John's example there with my fitness power is a really good way to to get some facts about what you what you're doing as an individual and i think that's really important and also you know you like flip you mentioned helen's helen's work as a nutritionist i think is the right term um but it, i think it's really important that athletes do get specific advice for them and do and do try to make research and understand you you know even going back to what john was saying you know, if it works for you then then that's great then maybe you don't have a huge amount to worry about but i think if you're going to do anything drastic or you know you want you want to make changes then you really need to look into the specifics for you as an individual because we all vary so much and i think that there's some really good points coming out of that the one which jumps out at me is um you know john you went and got the facts yourself and you realized oh actually i do need to be more aware of my nutrition so getting facts actually gives you information and if you've got the information you can action it or not and in the same way i use by by luck because helen was kind enough to to offer a, a trial to see how all that worked you know i got the facts in the same way but the interesting thing there and i and i said it in that kind of blurb was that people used to take the mick out of philip going for thirds so there's it's not <laughs> those people weren't in an informed position um thankfully i've got very thick skin so i'm not going to let that affect me and i'm definitely probably going to have fourths as a result um but it's very easy to get distracted and assume that as Alan, you mentioned the general population versus athlete population, that you're not normal because of that. Um, and you know, you need to tone back again, but actually once you've got that informed position to work from, um, you can then start considering more about your, your fuel and, and, and it has to come from that informed position. The number of times I've seen or heard athletes be told either oh, you're not eating enough or, you're eating far too much, both of which are very negative um, comments to be given to an athlete when maybe there's sort of a lot more going on. They're worried about a race, they're worried about their, you know, their performance or otherwise. And nutrition is a bit of a minefield and there's definitely a lot still to be learned. But I think getting clear, clear facts out of what you're already doing is a really good starting point. And then you can ignore the naysayers or the, the bad observations from people who don't have that information or aren't informed. But Philip, I think that the first question we need to make here is how much is too much? It depends. Exactly. It depends on the on the on your body type. It depends on the training week you're doing. It depends on the time of the season that you you're doing. Um, because what I'm eating today may not be the same I'm going to eat next week. For example, I had these five days cycling like a maniac, and I'm eating like a maniac now. But I'm pretty sure I'm. I know that if I keep eating the same way I'm eating right now, I'm going to um, affect my performance. But I'm doing this because the last five days I have been burning around 4,000 4, calories. So this is not too much for this time of the, the season of, and for what I need. So how much is too much? Yeah. I think that's a, a good point, Diego. Like, I think a lot of... Um, a lot of times, like one of the questions we've got noted down here before is common sort of common mistakes and things that we see is, is it's, it's almost like a, a fixed mindset with regards to, to, to what you eat. And you often see it with athletes who retire 
they they're they're somewhat attached to the the volumes that they need um uh maybe not just from five days of extreme extreme volume of cycling diego but you know obviously at different times of the year i think it's important to think about you know nutrition being somewhat periodized within you know micro cycles within a week but also within those longer macro cycles over 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 a whole season as well um you know, it, even during sessions like warm drinks on a cold winter's ride can be very welcome i'm sure diego you would agree with that in some cold weather rides um and equally i'm sure i would very much agree that um uh, frozen bottles are very much essential in anything over 20 degrees um <laughs> But, and it's the same it's the same what goes in um i guess in terms of food and yeah. so i've got it's one of those things that as coaches where we always keep saying it depends but i you know i'd strongly urge people to to try and specifically find out information with regards to themselves and, and engage engage in it in, you know all the way from through from planning to the macronutrients and the micronutrients that are that are required i guess the micronutrients are the thing that we haven't gone into yeah well i think one one point on that as well is also um be being be involved in it but recognize that it is a minefield and be yeah i guess aware that maybe you need to kind of get someone else to help you with it uh, and that's sort of where helen comes in or another nutritionist and the other side of it is you shouldn't be hungry if you're doing if you're doing this nutrition this um thing this training session you shouldn't be hungry and it, hunger is a sign that not necessarily not having enough throughout the day but potentially you're having too much um at set times and not enough later uh, or maybe you aren't having enough throughout the day um and that's sort of maybe what's impacting it and then the other side of it is if you're binge eating and you're kind of reaching for the fridge or you're reaching for the naughty cupboard john or whatever it is um that's also probably a sign that you've not got your nutrition right so it, it there can be a few habits which you pick up either hunger or kind of binge eating stuff uh, or the fridge in some instances um, that you've probably not got your nutrition right. And the easiest tell for that, and we, I know we've all probably experienced this because we've all been on the bike, when you go out for a long ride and you get your nutrition wrong and you come back and to quote Alan, the, the Raiders of the Lost Fridge or whatever um, the right expression is, um, that when you go and you just basically just need to eat, then you know you've got your nutrition wrong. And you probably could have told yourself before then that you've got your nutrition wrong. And so it's trying to work out where these habits are and identifying them as potentially um, areas to improve and, and then, then sort of actioning on them. But it has to come, as Al says, as, as we've all said now, that informed position. Yeah, I was going to say, the, bod the body should be pretty good at controlling what you eat. It tells you when you're hungry, it tells you when you need to eat. And like you say, if you manage your day properly and eaten enough food throughout the day and manage the training load and food and everything, then you shouldn't you shouldn't be having these bouts of fatigue or bouts of hangriness and everything like that. So, yeah, if you eat, and that's all goes down to fueling it properly with a quality diet. Which is just going back to Diego's point of how much is too much, but you can definitely have too much of a bad thing. So if you're trying trying to hit four thousand calories by eating a load of McDonald's and a pack of Oreos or whatever, then it all goes down to that initial point that Alan said, which is quality, uh, quality like getting the quality food in. Like, um, you know, I know, I know for a fact a lot of elite athletes have been on cooking courses as like junior athletes. 
you know, having worked with academy elite athletes uh, in a regional level in the, in the past, then, you know, I know that within the, the, you know, some of the work that's done with that, those athletes that they're encouraged to take responsibility for cooking meals during the, during weekends. And that's, that's not just because, you know, the coaches don't want to cook it. It's because actually cooking is a really important part of being a good athlete. Um, there are ways around it. Um, various companies can uh, help you out with supplying ingredients of, I know I can't, I, what's, um, what are the examples where you get the, you pay fresh, the, gusto. That's it. Yeah. Those, yeah. Those kind of arrangements can be, can be a really good, you know, like I spoke about the progression earlier, road bike, clip on bars, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't expect everybody watching this to suddenly become sort of like Michelin star chef overnight. There are, uh, I guess that's the equivalent of the, uh, the, uh, the Bradley Regan style time trial bike is, you know, if you've got a Michelin star, then you've kind of you've made it there, but maybe, maybe those services are a good stepping stone for the, the clip on tri bars of the cooking world. Um, if you know what you've got inside of them and then it's just two meals you need to worry about through the, throughout the rest of it as well, which, which helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess let's, we've got a few about 10 more minutes left what, let's talk a little bit about then competition uh, and I think it is reflective of the, the fact that um, we've not really hit nutrition uh, fueling through an event um, yet but we spent about 50-45 minutes talking around the basics of nutrition and the areas that we see wrong because generally speaking that's where um, I guess people can look to improve things but when we're looking into competition uh, I guess let's kind of put the same two questions. What, what are good habits and, and what are common, common shortfalls that we see people have from that kind of fueling to caffeine to uh, hydration or anything along those lines? Um, start with before, I think makes the, uh, the, uh, that pre, pre-meal. Before, um, during and after again, we're talking about then. Yeah, it was literally nutrition always comes to before, during and after. Um, but yeah, beforehand, I think just making a sensible food choice and everybody is different. You know, I think I've had, I've worked with athletes who, you know, they, they eat uh, bowls of cereal every other day of their life, but on race day, they don't because for some reason the, the milk doesn't work for them during, during a race event. Um, and so they choose to have something different. And I've certainly worked with athletes where they've evolved what they're eating beforehand and it, and it changes as well. I think it even goes back, you know, obviously long course racing, it goes back to what you're eating in the days before, uh, or, you know, the, the, the night before going out for a spicy curry the night before and, you know, a long distance triathlon is, is not advisable. Um, but I think sometimes it's recognizing those, um, you know, even alcohol the night before is not, you know, even if it is just, uh, one beer it might not be that it puts your stomach in the best place and I think a really really good thing that athletes can do is to just monitor this throughout training if 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 you know if they do have a beer or something on a Saturday night and go out for a long ride on a Sunday and if it oh you know my tummy's a bit funny and the next weekend they don't have a beer and it's fine well there's a lesson there and those sort of things should be carried over into what you what you do before a race yeah, so many opportunities before that long Sunday ride or whatever to eat your race breakfast at the time you're going to eat it on the race day and just see how that works. Try moving it around, try getting it right. It's 
no point trying something new on race day, like you were saying. Talking here then very much about planning again, but um, <laughs> but also trialing it before race day. And that's probably the most repeated rule about nutrition, isn't it? So make sure you've <laughs> tried it before race day. Female athletes, you have to make sure you're trying it at the same time within your cycle as well. That's a really important point uh, for female athletes because it will be different each um, uh, each uh, call it four week cycle each week um so make sure you sort of you are practicing different things and you then have tools to combat that um but i mean hydration is a really big part as well and i think for me athletes potentially miss out on getting their hydration salts right before a race and that can undermine most of the other stuff which is going to go on as well and i know john you've you've done a couple of recent articles on that um as well so if you want to take that any further yeah yeah i enjoyed doing a lot of reading on the hydration side of it and how important sodium is I don't know, a lot of athletes might make the mistake of just drinking plain water because um, they think they're going to be dehydrated on the bike if it's a hot race but just drinking plain water is going to make you dilute all the sodium in your blood and obviously in extreme cases you can get as far as hyponatremia which is where yeah you're going to finish the race and possibly end up in hospital but yeah They'll be looking into the electrolytes and all it's all depending on the person some people might have a really high sweat rate or some people might have a really high sodium concentration so again it's like we say with my fitness pal it's, it's worth spending a bit of time testing and finding out what your body actually needs um i, I actually went to precision hydration last year and had my sweat analyzed so i know that i'm a extremely salty sweater so i've now changed the kind of electrolyte i need and it's I've not actually had a chance to test it in a real life race scenario for obvious reasons but I think it's going to help me going forward. It certainly helps in training. I get a lot less cramps and a lot less fatigue. So, yeah, again, I think that's my main point is do a bit of research, find out what your body might need in terms of electrolytes. And um, try everything that you're going to do on the race day beforehand on the trainings that you're going to do during the, the season. That helps quite a lot. Especially uh, for hydration in the same sort of environment as well. Yeah, There's no yeah, point so in having a hydration plan for a... A really hot environment and doing it um in the uk in the middle of winter and like well why does it not work i, I need to see the whole time yeah you just get the fan heater on in your in your living room or whatever yeah the the other thing is some of the the decoupling or disassociation between some of those things so like uh, john's points there around uh, sweat rate and volume of fluid they can go they can be inverted as well so having one or the other doesn't necessarily mean they go with one or the other you can have a really high volume of fluid with really low salt or you can have both there's kind of uh, a few different combinations of, of what you're different things aren't they they're kind of yeah yeah they are they are two different things so i think that's really important to highlight that point there must be a theme of very salty sweaters amongst the the tth coaches based on what i know about myself and a couple of the other coaches as well um uh, perhaps that's got to do with a, a cycling and the heat thing um but the um the, the interesting fact is that the sodium content in your sweat that doesn't really change whatever you do but yeah does I the, think, um, but the I sweat think, rate can change with the acclimatization and training yourself and things like that yeah i think the other thing that you, you need to be careful of is like philip said there is getting it in the 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 right environment to to practice what you're to practice what you're doing also also the right intensity and the same the same kind of clothing and the same um 
uh, the same setup, even if it, you know, if it's on your bike, the same kind of setup. Um, where was I going? Forget my point. Um, but also, if you've got your nutrition in bottles, and it's all of a sudden really cold, and you don't want to drink very much, you need you need to be aware of that. It's the same, and also, you know, that leads on to if it is cold, and then you put gloves on. And little things like if you've got wrappers that need opening and things like that, just thinking about, especially, you know, I guess we're going into during the race a little bit here, is thinking about some of the practical um, challenges that you might face. And I think that's really important in current climates with races and COVID um, kind of meaning race volunteers, et cetera, are not able to give you water bottles. You might have to stop, you know, you, your nutrition planning for the event and okay let's say the carbohydrate if you're taking on carbs it's going to be between 60 and 90 maybe a bit more if you've got caffeine present as well um but you know if you know that's what you're taking but you're planning on giving on aid stations then you you have to find the right balance between stopping at these aid stations now for the longer distance races and getting the nutrition that you need so it, now is a really really important time to get an understanding of the practicalities as alan said of carrying your nutrition kind of and, and also taking it throughout the event because you you have to be more self-sufficient especially in triathlon than ever before uh when racing uh, unless you've been doing some of those races which is very much self-sufficient racing but you know now even stopping for water will slow you down so can you manage a plan which helps you avoid having to stop too many times for water and how would that look it's a really really important thing to try and put together now and, and understanding your nutrition and what you need for your fuel is the first step of getting that right. Yeah, I'd say like normal racing conditions as well. It's like it's the uh, always re always read the uh, the race guide. Every athlete, hope every athlete watching this always does that. Always read the race the, the athlete guide. Um, you'll hear it um, at briefings all over the world. Have you read the athlete guide? Um, my favourite triathlon rule is the athlete's responsibility to know the course. Um, so always read the athlete guide but a big part of that as well as those points is knowing where aid stations are regardless of covid or not covid or whatever because you need to work out i mean how far is it between those aid stations roughly how long is it going to take you how much water do you need between those aid stations are you going to run out and that's something that's really commonly uh, overlooked and it starts with hydration if you know what you need from a hydration and salts perspective um yeah. then you can start working out what you you know what you're going to need fluid wise from a from an aid station and and then yeah. nutrition you can either have in your pocket or in your bottle depending on on what you're looking at i find it i find it like every coaching course and every coaching manual you ever pick up in your life will always start with planning and all we've done this evening is talk about planning and being <laughs> organized and making a plan well we could have had it over dinner we should have the coaches on the couch over dinner we could all be eating for today's one <laughs> we put four put four coaches in the room what do they talk about planning <laughs> um, uh, yeah. um okay so let's um let's try and then summarize we've what we would do because i think with nutrition it's very very common that it gets confusing for athletes and, and we've talked around a lot of points but we actually kept it quite basic as well um you know we've tried to give the information and if you want information on nutrition you know it's definitely out there and drop us a line and we'll help out with kind of what the basic things are that you need but there there's so many different things athletes can get confused by so what would be the kind of the key takeaways as we kind of summarize this evening's um session up 
uh, around what we've spoken about and discussion related. So we can just go around the room. So, Diego, you so can go first. Planning. Planning, good. That's the, that's the planning, know what you're eating. Oh, Diego, that's a cop out. You can be more useful than that. No, I would say that planning is the, is the main one, but then understand what type of food that you're putting in your body and what your needs are. Um, so understand your body would be one of the, the main things to take. Nice. Go on then, John. I was going to say, it's, it's kind of contrary to a point I made earlier about finding what works for you. It's also have a bit of variety as well. You know, don't just stick to the same meal every single day. And I, I love cooking, so I try and cook something new at least every couple of weeks. Find just grab the recipe book, pick something new and keep it interesting so you're not going to get bored and with the variety as well. Then you're hopefully going to get all the macros and micronutrients that you need as well. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd build on uh, what, what John was saying there. I'd say be more John and uh, engage in your cooking and learn how to cook. But, you know, further to what John was saying there about variety, I think is recognising that sometimes food could be mental as well as physical. And I think sometimes... I've been writing to today and spoken previously about athletes being incredibly hard on themselves. And that doesn't just, you know, that extends into nutrition and hydration as well. And, you know, it's, it's all too easy to become far too regimented with these things. And I think it's, a, you know, if you fancy a lolly or an ice cream or a, a small glass of wine or whatever it is every so often, then do it. I think it was Leander Cave when she won uh the world champs back in 2012 i think she said um she was asked on you know oh, this is the kind of the after the banquet and she'd been interviewed on the stage and just won the, you know the awards banquet afterwards the day after and they said oh we heard a rumor that you'd had a glass of red wine before you went out and raced yesterday and, and then you won is that true and she was like no that's not true i had two glasses of wine because you know? <laughs> that's what she felt like and that's what she needed and um i i think that's a great great highlight of that point out which is just you know it is it comfort food exists because it's important you know it, it makes us feel certain ways so i i think that flies directly into my take one of my takeaways which is um know know kind of what works for you and know yourself so we talked about the different perspectives from different people, but actually getting that informed position, because once you know what works, you know where the guidelines sit, you know if you've gone outside it, but you know why you've gone outside it or when you've gone outside it. So if you're wanting to have that glass of wine or chocolate or whatever, you know, you don't need to be hard on yourself because you've got it more or less right the rest of the time. Um, and that kind of probably jumps into my 2080 rule, which I think everyone knows about the 80-20 and everything else. But if 80% of what you're taking on board is really good and you're hitting the targets, then the other 20% doesn't matter. Have fun. You know, it's life. Life's too short to, to not enjoy what, you know, what you're doing. So just, in, just enjoy it. Any other takeaways? Yeah, I, don't, I, just, I just say about engaging in it and gradually honing in on what you're doing within that framework you know that, that you you know you just sort of laid out for that I and mean, i think you know often you often you can do better um i just go back to the analogy that i made earlier about you know the parallels that run with developing in the other disciplines you can you can also develop in this discipline Excellent. i wrote some down the only ones i had was try before racing and uh, close to get things close to the source and of course, yeah. Alan's favourite one, which is you are what you eat, which I think is a, a good way to start and finish um, 
the whole thing. So, um, is, is, does anyone have any closing remarks? Otherwise, we'll, we'll pause just or end just there, and we'll look forward to next week, next month, even. I'm good. It's time for dinner. Time for dinner. Definitely dinner time. Right. Thank you very much, John, Diego, and Alan, for joining uh, us on the couch. Thanks to everyone else who's been here on the couch as well with us, listening either live or later on. Um, next week, I can't quite remember what it is next week, but um, and so next month, sorry, but um, I'm I'm sure you get the updates on on social media. So uh, uh, please uh, let other people know about this, and hopefully we'll see you again next time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. 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 The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at trytrainingharder. Thanks for listening.